like this, knock like this, make it drop like this. One time like this, make it pop like this, make it knock like this. Well, I want to start this morning with, with asking you a question. Do you ever, do you ever find yourself de defining, defining life by before and after? Like before, before the event, before the experience, before that thing happened, and now it's, it's the after, right? Like if we had to put it like a BC, AD, it, it would be more like this. It would be like, well, there was, a, there was a before crisis and there was an after devastation, right? I mean, before, this is who I was before, this is what I liked. But now, after the devastation, it, it, it paints different, paints things in a different light, doesn't it? Like, like before, maybe there were certain songs, certain foods, it's just little things that you, that you enjoyed. But now, after the devastation, oh, man, after the devastation, now you hear that song and it triggers something in your mind, right? Or that food or that movie or, or, or whatever it may be, something you even see. Sometimes it's even a color. It, it triggers something in your brain. It reminds you that you're not there anymore. Now you're somewhere else. Now you're, you're after the devastation. Or sometimes you even look back at pictures, you see them in your, your Facebook memories, or you see them in a photo album. You see them on your phone, and you're like, hmm, I, I don't even know who that person is anymore. I'm not that person, because that was, that was BC, and, and now I'm living this AD life. Now I'm living in, in a different place. And, and the question is, when you're living in that AD, the question is, is well, where, where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? I'm not who I was, and, and I'm not there anymore. Now I'm in, this, I'm in this new, I'm in this new normal, I'm in this new place. And, and all of a sudden, I don't know where to go from here. What, what is it that I'm supposed to do next? Where do I go from here? And, and sometimes, you know, there, there are things just in our culture, there are norms of things that we're supposed to do, ways we're supposed to lay people to rest, ways where other people get closure, but, but I don't always, do I? Sometimes I don't get closure. Sometimes people, other people move on, but I, I feel like I'm stuck here. I feel like I'm, I'm stuck in this AD, and I, I don't know what to do next. And I don't know if there are things that I can ever go back to. I don't think I'll ever be that same BC person where I can trust the same, or, or I can be as optimistic as I once was, or I could be as hopeful as once one once was, or if I could ever tr give my life to somebody like that, to, 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 to show them, to, to be that vulnerable to somebody else. So, so where, where do I go from here? And that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. Uh, we're starting this, this new series called Baggage, and you know, you, you saw the graphic that we just played. How, how do I deal with this baggage that I have from this event in my life, from this thing that has happened in my past? Well, how do I deal with this baggage? Because it, it feels like it's kind of weighing me down. Um, wh when we go on a trip with my family, I, I have two kids, a daughter, a son, and my wife, Kate. And when we go on trips, my wife overpacks, okay? 
I don't know if anybody else experiences this, but we could be going on a three-day journey, and you would think we're moving out of the house, okay? Like, we have to bring it all. Like, my wife is the type of person that's like, wherever we go, she's not going to use your pillows. Your pillows are not good enough for her, okay? That's what happens when you marry a queen of a furniture franchise, okay? No furniture is good enough. So what do we do? We just bring our own furniture, okay? We bring our own pillows. We bring our own leg pillows. That's right. That's how the Davises roll, okay? I mean, we, we have all kinds of stuff. And then my wife, just she thinks of every scenario, right? Like, we may be going where it's snowing, but my wife thinks for at some point it, it could just be 100 degrees. So she packs shorts as well, you know? And I'm like, going, what are you doing? She's like, well, you just, you never know where we might end up. So it's just, it's just monstrous, right? I mean, our whole car is packed up to the brim of just how many things that we could possibly, you know, need. And so then we arrive at our destination and it comes to un- unpack, to unload. And, and I don't know about you, but I hate doing several trips, you know, when it comes to unpacking luggage. You remember, you know, when you arrive, arrive to wherever you are, the hotel or, or your parents' house or wherever it may be, I don't like to go back and forth to the car 50 times, okay? So what I try to do is try to get it all at once, okay? So, I mean, uh, this, is, this is some of our luggage here. So, I mean, I will, I will literally, I will take, this is Kate's. Okay, the biggest one is reserved for Catherine, all right? This is Kate's huge luggage, and then we've got, we've got this one for the kids, and th- this is all I'm allowed to bring. This is about it, right? And so, I mean, I'm literally, like, trying to think all the time. I'm like, okay, how could I do this? All right, so I'll, like, I'll hold this here, and then, like, I'll put this here, and then, like, I'll just, like, grip this one. And, th- like, this is how I look, okay? With a pillow stuffed between my legs, okay? This is how I, I look trying to go. Thank you, Wes, for the comedy cue. Yeah, I'll do that, okay? Uh, this is how I look. And what always happens, like, the last trip we took this summer, um, we went to Branson. And our, our, our condo thing, whatever, was, was on the fourth floor. And I was not going to climb those stairs 50 times. So this is how I looked. And there was literally a guy who stopped me. And do you know what he asked me? He asked me this. Do you need help with that? And do you know what I said? I looked at him and I said, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Right? Because that's what I tell myself. But the truth is, I don't. I don't got it at all. Like, these are empty and it's hard right now. Okay? Although I think we left something in here, Kate. Um, I feel something. But this is, this is how we look. And here's the thing. Some of us, people can't see it, but this is how we look in life right now. For some of us right now, we're in that AD, we're in that after devastation, and we've got things that happened in our childhood, we've got things that happened in our, our last relationship, or our last marriage, we got that terrible thing that nobody saw coming. That was already in the middle of a, a, a terrible year, in the middle of a pandemic, in a time where it felt like I wasn't even allowed to process what was going on. And I got that under my arm, and I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm just shaking. And I'm, I'm trying to get where I want to go, and I got all of this baggage. And what do people ask you? Do you need help with that? Are you doing Okay. Have you talked to anybody? And what what is it that we tell them? Almost as an automatic response. I got it. I got it. I got it. 
And the truth is, is you don't got it. Can we be honest for a minute? Can we, can we be truthful with ourselves? The honest truth is, is that you and I, with the, the things that we've experienced, I need help. I, I don't got it. And I, I need help. You need help. We need help. And the thing is, is that there is no one, there is no one telling you that you have to do this alone except you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. For somebody, that's, that's the gospel truth for them this morning. Nobody, nobody is telling you that you have to do this alone except you. And there is an alternative. There is a second option. You do not have to do this alone. And we're going to talk about what that looks like over the next few weeks. And we're going to talk about what that looks like today. Because it all begins, I believe, with one question. And it's the same question that Jesus asked somebody. And I think that this is a question that perhaps Jesus wants to ask you today as well. There came a point in time in Jesus' ministry where he was traveling and he was, he was performing miracles. There were a few big ones. We actually did a whole series on the miracles called Signs. And, and they, were, they were miracles or signs that really were introducing the kingdom of God to people in, in a brand new way, almost for the first time. Jesus was beginning to shape what his new covenant would look like, what his relationship was going to look like with us. And so he travels and he comes across this pool, this place. And, and, and John was there and was able to write this all down. And they came to Jerusalem. Now, there, there's in Jerusalem near a sheep gate, a pool, which is Aramaic for Bethsaida, which is surrounded by, by five covered uh, colonnades uh, here. Is, and there was a great number of disabled people where they used to lie. And these people were the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. So there was this pool in the middle, and what would happen is it would bubble up. And people believed, you know, back then, people, you know, there really wasn't any science back then. People, there was actually a law set by the government. You, you could not examine a dead body. You could only examine a living body. But nobody wanted to get sick because there was no medicine. So there was no science. There was just superstition. And so there was this pool in, the, in, in this middle here, and it was surrounded, uh, you know, by all these uh, different, different uh, places in the city. And, and so it would bubble every once in a while, and people thought, oh, there's an angel in the pool that we can't see, and he's stirring it up. And, and whoever gets to the pool first is going to be healed. And so what would happen is, is you would have all of these sick people surrounding this pool, lame people, paralyzed people, uh, people going through all types of afflictions, and they would just wait and watch. And all of a sudden, the water would bubble up. And I mean, you can just imagine what took place next, right? It's like the Royal Rumble. I mean, everybody's just fighting to be the first person in that pool. Now, they've actually found this pool. What they've discovered is, is that there's actually a natural spring underneath the pool. And when the pool, when the natural spring would release, that is what would cause the bubbles. And so we know, you know, from, from history, we've actually found this, this, this place, and we know why it did what it did. Um, but back then, they didn't know that. They were just superstitious. So, so that's what they said. And so we have all these people who are sick, who, who are lame, who, 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 who are, are physically hurt, and they're waiting to be healed at this pool. So Jesus comes across a man, and this is, this is what it says next. Now, one who was there had been an invalid for, for 38 years. For 38 years, this man sat at this 
pool. For 38 years he had been there, and it says he was invalid, which means that the, the, the culture and the society had just forgotten about him. He was invalid. He was unimportant. He was, he was nobody now. He was an invalid. And so he sat there for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for, for a very, very long time. So, so here's this man who's, who's on this mat. He's paralyzed, and he's just, he's just waiting. He's been waiting to get better. He's been waiting to be healed. Obviously, he's paralyzed. So you think about what happens when this, this pool begins to stir and it begins to bubble up. I mean, he's, he's literally crawling on his arms, you know, trying to get there. And he realizes that on his arms, he, he can't get there fast enough. So there he sat. I mean, he has, he has nowhere else to go. He, he has no one else to turn to. And he's, he's stuck there. He's in this A.D. after devastation period season of his life and then Jesus comes up to him and Jesus asks him a question and it's a question that is so simple so simple that I think sometimes when we read this verse for the first time we we almost miss just how heavy the question really is and I think today if you give yourself a moment you'll understand that this is the question that before you move on from your A.D., before you move on from this, this past, this is the very first question. This is the very first part. This is, this is the question you have to answer before you can do anything else. So Jesus kneels down, and he asks the man, Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well. Think about that for a minute. Think about kind of how, how dumb the question is. I mean, Jesus comes to a paralyzed man who's been there for, for 38 years. Hey, do you want to get well? Would you like to, to get better? Would you, would you like to move on from this? What a dumb question, Jesus. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, you know, and I mean, you're thinking the same thing, you're, you're thinking like, geez, seriously, if this was therapy, I'd be like, give me my money back, you know, like, do I want to get well, what do you think I'm doing here, I'm trying to get well, I'm trying to get well, of course I want to get well, and although the answer is obvious, the answer is obvious in, in your situation, the answer is obvious from what you've gone through, the, the answer is obvious to this man who's been laying here for 38 years, Although the answer is obvious, typically, that's not the answer we give. Listen to what this man responds with. He says, sir, I have no one to help me. He doesn't even say yes. He doesn't even say no because the answer is so obvious. But what does he say? He goes, sir, I have no one to help me. Let me translate this for you in, in common folk. Dude, it's not that simple. Buddy, I wish I could. Brother, you don't understand. My guy, <laughs> my guy, I want to, but I can't. See, I don't even think the man was speaking in a, you know, when he says, sir, I don't think he's speaking in a respectful tone. I think he's going, dude, brother, hey, buddy, my guy. Whoever you think you are, okay, uh, yeah, I'd like to get better, but it's not that simple. 
Okay, I want to, but I can't. And he puts it on the people around him. They're responsible. For, they're the reason why he can't get well. And he says to him next, he explains it to Jesus. It's not rocket science. Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Of course I would like to get well. But see, you're missing, you're missing it. You're missing it, Jesus. I would like to get well, but I can't. Let's put it this way. I want to, but I can't because of them. I want to, but I can't because someone else. Let me ask you something. In your AD, and your after devastation, isn't it true? Isn't it true that, of course you want to get well, but they haven't fill in the blank. I want to, Jesus, right? I want to, Jesus, but they haven't. What's your fill in the blank? Jesus, I want to get better, but, but they haven't recognized that what they did was wrong yet. I want to, Jesus, but, but, but it's not fair yet. I will. I will get well. I will get better when it's fair, when justice is served. When they understand that what they did is wrong. I want to, Jesus, but we haven't had a chance to talk yet. And I need, I need to sit down with them before I move on from this. I need to sit down with them and I need to go over the story one more time. Because I don't think they remember it the way I do. And I need to make sure that they know just how much they hurt me. I, I want to, Jesus. I want to move on from this. But, but, but until... I get an apology from them. I can't move on from this. I want to, Jesus. I want to, but, but I'm waiting on something. I'm waiting for them to pay this debt that in my soul I feel like they owe me. Been there? Felt that? Thought that? And we say the same thing to Jesus. Jesus, I want to get better. They don't understand. Jesus, I want to get better, but they don't respect me. Jesus, I want to get better, but man, I don't. Let me tell you what they did, Jesus. And we, we, we tell the story over and over again, and we play it in our heads like it's an old movie. And it almost just gets worse and worse and worse the, the more times that, that we play the movie inside of our heads and we tell the story again and again and again. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they said to me? Can you believe that? And we just hash it out, hash it out, hash it out. And we say, I would get better, but someone else or they, they always do this. They won't change. They aren't any different. They won't. And we just go over and go over. And so we say, so Jesus, I'm, I'm stuck here. Don't you understand? Don't you see now? Don't you agree with me? Don't you, don't you get why I can't move on from this? I'm stuck here until they fill in the blank. And, and, and look, I am not downplaying anything you've experienced or anything you've felt or anything that has ever happened to you. I, don't, I want you to understand I, I have utmost empathy and sympathy for you. I'm not in this series at all going to downplay any trauma that you've ever experienced. But 
you do need to hear this truth, okay? So if you're mad at me, just hold on. Don't, don't, don't just block me off, but you need to hear this. The truth is, is that things won't be better until you make the decision to get better. It's not up to them. And it's not about the someone else. It's not about the person who hurt you or who took them from you or who put you through that. It's not about whether they understand it or whether they're sorry for it or whether they apologize for it or whether justice is served or not. Because here's the truth. What you want may never come. Okay? You may never get the apology that you deserve. And quite honestly, when you get that apology, very rarely is it ever enough. You may get the justice that you want, but it will still never seem fair. They may try to pay you back that debt that they owe you, but that debt will never fully be repaid. See, the thing is, it's not on them. They are not ever going to help you be better. You will not be better until you make the decision yourself to get better. And here's the thing too. That person who hurt you, that person who put you through that trauma, that person who put you through that experience, I mean, they had so much power over you and made you feel so powerless. By you waiting on them to move, isn't that putting the power back in their hands? They don't deserve that. Don't make yourself powerless again. It's time for you to take that power back. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to move on not because of them, but despite them? Wouldn't it be powerful to move on and say, I don't need you to apologize. I don't need you to, to, to tell, explain it to me. I don't need your version of fair. I'm going to move on and take my life into my hands, not because of what you've done, but despite what you haven't done. And I'm going to move on in my life because I've made the decision to get well. So Jesus, he leans down to this man and he says, do you want to get well? I think the man went, what? Get well. Are you crazy? You know. And you know what Jesus says next? I mean, he gives this, he gives this reason. And I love what Jesus says. And, and this is why we're, we're tracking right. Jesus doesn't even address what he just said, right? He doesn't address the other people. He doesn't talk. That, that lame excuse that that guy just tossed up, Jesus throws it to the side. And Jesus just yells at the man. I mean, there's an exclamation mark. Jesus yells at the man, get up. Get up. In the Greek, what this truly means is come alive. Come back to life. So when Jesus yells at the man, he's not telling him to stand up. He says to him, come back to life. Awaken, sleeper. Get up. Come back to life. And for some of you, Jesus is looking at you, and he, he knows what you've gone through, and he's heard what, you, what you're looking for and the reason why you haven't made the decision to move on. 
And, and Jesus wants to yell at you this morning, come alive, get up. It is time to come back to life. So arise, get up. And here's the thing I want you to hear. You, you may be here because you're skeptical. You may be here because you saw this explanation on Facebook. You may be here because you have gone through something and, and you're on the fence. And so you're not so sure about this whole Jesus thing or where Jesus plays a part in this. But let me tell you this, and you may not have experienced this yet, but if we just take the facts, if Jesus can die on a cross and God can awaken him three days later, God can awaken you and bring you back to life from the trauma you've faced. And you may not believe that yet, and you may not trust that yet, because you may not have seen that yet, but this could be your resurrection story. And Jesus, when he yells at the man to get up, to wake up, to come back to life, it is not a command, it is an invitation. And it is the same invitation that Jesus is laying in front of you today. Do you want to get well? Well, I, I, uh, then come to life. Then get up. And then what's, what Jesus says next is kind of comical. Because the man, I think, kind of looked at him and said, How do I do that? <laughs> And Jesus looks at him and goes, do you want to walk again? Yeah, I want to walk again. All right, listen to my instructions really carefully. If you want to walk again, do as I say. Pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> kind of rude, right? I want to walk again. How do I do it? Walk. <laughs> Got it, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, the words of a wise man. How do you walk? You walk! How do you jump? You jump! Jesus, you are on a roll, man. How do you do this? But you know what? As simple as it is, think about how much power there is in that. Because how many of us have been in the AD and we've said, I don't know if I can ever date again. How do I date again? How do I trust again? How do I put myself in that position where I can be vulnerable again? And if you're in front of a Jesus, he would say, trust people again. If you're in front of Jesus, Jesus, I want to date again. I want to find, I don't want this to be the end of my story. I don't want this divorce to be the end of me. I want to date again. What do I do? Jesus would go, date again. But Jesus, I want, I, 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 now I have this cynicism in me. I used to be so optimistic. I used to be so full of joy. I used to be so hopeful. And now I'm just hopeless and everything is dark and I'm just turned off by anything. I'm kind of a negative Nancy. How can I ever be joyous again? And Jesus would look at you and say, have joy. Be optimistic. And it seems so simple that it's stupid. But quite honestly... Isn't that the truth? For some of you, 
who have been where others are today, wasn't that what it was? As you went through that divorce, you went through that breakup, you went through that devastation, you went through that abuse, and you were like, I never will be the same again. But then one day, you put yourself out there and you began to take baby steps. You picked up your mat and you began to walk away from that AD moment, and then you found someone else, right? And then you found someone who wasn't like them. You found somebody who was better than your past. You found joy again. You found optimism again. You found hope again. But here's the thing. You will never be able to find what you are looking for until you decide to get well and get up so that you can move on. But you will never be able to move on until you answer the question, are you ready to get well? Well, I would like, no, 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 no. They've had enough power over your life. We are not waiting for them to decide when you are ready to get well. You are going to decide when you are ready to get well. All right. I'm ready. I at least want to try. And then Jesus gives you the supernatural invitation to come alive again. And when he brings you to life and when he gets you there and when he begins to, uh, when you begin to trust him and put your faith in him and you begin this journey, you go to, okay, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready. What do I do next? Try again. Walk on. Move on from this. Pick up your mat and go. But Jesus, what if I get hurt again? You may. But I will be there. And you will have to do this again. But I will help you come back to life. And I will help you move on from that moment as well. And then it tells us in the next verse, at once (laughs) the man was cured. At once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. Now, if you're wondering kind of what happens next, the reason this was such a big sign and the reason this was such a big miracle is because it was performed on the Sabbath, which was in violation of the old covenant law. And so really this miracle was so important because it set up this whole confrontation between the Pharisees and the religious people and Jesus because Jesus broke God's, God's law to, break, to, to perform a miracle on the Sabbath. And so that's, that's the whole reason it happened, okay? So if you're wondering why it was such a big deal, and that's why Jesus specifically was like, pick up your mat and walk. Because when people saw the mat and saw the man, they're like, that man shouldn't be here. He's been healed. Okay, who did this? And Jesus is like sneaking around in the crowd like, ha, 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 got you fools, right? And so anyway, that's the whole thing. But now that, that's where the story ends. But, but, but here's... Here's what I imagine in my head. And again, this is not in Scripture. This is Michael just kind of making this up. But this is what I imagine in my head, okay? I imagine that if I was paralyzed for 38 years and Jesus told me to pick up my mat and walk and all of a sudden I was going to do it, I would not put that mat down. (laughs) Like, okay, the instructions were very clear. A, pick up my mat. B, walk. I don't know if this mat is magic or not, but I am not putting it down. I am walking with it all the way until I get home. And then maybe I'll just 
keep it in the corner just in case something happens, right? I mean, the superstition would be going through your head if this happened, right? But, but here's, here's what I imagine maybe would have happened. I imagine that maybe when that man did go home and he started his life all over again, that he did keep that mat. That maybe in the corner of his house, that mat was rolled up and just leaning against the wall where it was open and obvious to everyone. And you know, before, for 38 years, when people asked him, what is that you're sitting on? He would say, that's my paralyzed mat. That's the mat I need to stay somewhat clean. That's my mat I have to lay on so I don't get sores on my legs. This is my mat. This is where I live. This is, this is my paralyzed mat. And this is what I need now because I'm paralyzed. But I imagine there came a time in that man's life where his children or his grandchildren or somebody who was stopping by saw that mat leaning against the wall. It said, what's that mat? And a smile would come over the man's face. And he would say, oh, that thing. That used to be my paralyzed mat. And then I met Jesus. And see, here's the thing about what you've experienced in your life and what you're going through and what you're hanging on to. While you can't forget the past, Jesus can help you change the story. You will never forget what you've been through, what you've experienced, and nobody should ever expect you to. No. But although you can't ever forget that, Jesus can change the story. Jesus, if you let him, can help you heal from this. He can help you come to life. And he can help you walk away from it. He can help you move on. And that past relationship, that past hurt, that past trauma, that past abuse, it will always be a part of your past, but it will not define your story. And you can tell a different story eventually. You can tell a story of how Jesus helped you learn to walk again. But it all starts with a question. Do you want to get well? But no, 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 no. Not them, not about someone else, not about what they do, not about what they're doing while you're trying. We're not giving them that power anymore. We're doing this despite what they've chosen to do. We're going to get better. Things are going to be better because we made the decision to get well. And that's what I hope starts today. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. We're going to sing a song that, that we sang last week. Last they sang it a couple weeks ago, but I wasn't here, so this is my first time hearing this song, and Danny, our drummer, texted it all to us a few weeks ago, and he said, man, he goes, I, this song is just, it's, it's hitting me, it's, this is, I think this is a song we need to do, and I just, 
I replayed it over and over and over again. And although we just sang it last week, I was listening to it in my car again. And I texted CJ, I'm like, we, we've got to close with this song. Because it talks about laying it down at Jesus' feet. Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. I, I can't do this by myself. I've tried that. And I've waited. I've waited for them. I've waited for them to, to make it right, to make it better, to apologize, for us to have a conversation. And, and my wheels are just spinning. And I'm tired. I'm tired of waiting. I want to get well. Jesus is kneeling over you and he's saying, then come alive. Get up. Let me teach you how to walk again. Let that start right now. So I'm going to let the band, if you'll stand with me this morning, I'm going to let the band sing the first two verses of this. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to invite you to come down to the altar. In just a minute, I want you to pray about this. I want you to think about this. Look, if you are today in that place where it's time, it is time to get well. We're going to talk about forgiveness and all of that later. But this is the decision you have to make today. Are you ready to get well? then it is time to bring your burdens and lay them down to Jesus and say, all right, I'm open. I'm open. I'm ready to try. If that's you, I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray and we're going to pray for you. We're going we're to let you have that time with God. But during this moment, I want you to just hear these words and let God's Spirit speak to where you are today.